Amen. All right, well, we're there in the book of Proverbs, and uh, today we are concluding our series on people skills or developing people skills. And what we've been doing for the last several weeks is we've been going through stories in Scripture, looking at stories where people had conflicts, seeing what they could have done better or what they did well, and resolving those conflicts. Today is going to be a little bit different of a sermon as we finish this series. I'm going to preach to you a sermon entitled Practical People Skills from the Book of Proverbs. Practical People Skills from Proverbs. And we're going to go through the Book of Proverbs and just find the different areas where God tells us or gives us the people skills that we should do, the things that we should do in order to be able to have good people skills. Now, let me say this uh, in case I haven't made it clear. When we talk about developing people skills, what we're talking about is learning to deal within the relationships that we have in life, whether it's marriage, whether it's with our children, whether it's with other church members, co-workers, neighbors, whatever it, must, it may be. And really what it comes down to, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but it's about helping us become likable, helping us become someone that people like, people want to be friends with, in order for us to be able to have influence. Now, sometimes when you say those words, people get all you know, uh, weird about that. And I, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. We're not talking about something you know, a manipulative here. We're not talking about hoarding influence over people or manipulating people. But what we must desire to have in our lives is to live in such a way that people see us and they desire to be influenced by us. That people see us and they, 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 they want to hear what we have to say. They want to see, you know, they, they see our marriages and they say, I'd like to have a marriage like that. Or they see how we've raised our children. You know, sometimes I look at the parents even in this, in this church and, and see teenagers that love the Lord and that are out soul winning and that are reading the Bible. And I think to myself, you know, whatever they did right, I want to learn from that. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to influence, that you live your life in such a way. There's a famous book, and I'm not recommending the book, I'm just bringing it up, but there's a famous book written by a man named uh, Dale Carnegie. Uh, and, and the title of the book is how to win friends and influence people. And I'm not recommending the book. I'm not saying it's a good book. But I, I like the title because that really should be the story of our lives. Should be We should desire to win friends and we should desire to influence people, not for money or for our own uh, you know, uh, uh, program, but for the cause of Christ. You know, and there's, a, there's an IFB pastor, I don't even know who the pastor is, but I saw this book once where he wrote a book called How to Win Souls and Influence Society. You know, and, and I, I say amen to that too. The goal is for us to live in such a way that people like us, that people want to be like us, that people will say there's something about these people that they're doing it right. Maybe they don't agree with the Bible. Maybe they're not Christians. Maybe they're not, uh, they're, they're not believers yet, but they would say there's something about this person. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to imitate their life. I want, and what that's called, it's called influence. And you know, as a leader, a leader is basically, you're a leader when you have influence over people. The quote in the bulletin this week was, leadership is about persuasion, presentation, and people skills. And really, even as a pastor, if you think about it, I have no, I can't tell you what to do. I can't force you to do anything. You know, this week we had, we had 183 people in church on Sunday and 83 of you chose to go out uh, soul winning this week. And, you know, I mean, I grew up in IFB churches where it was like 10, you know, there's 100 people in church and 10 of them went soul winning. Our church has 183 people in it and 83 of you go soul winning. But here's the thing. Nobody forced you to go soul winning. It's just the influence. You know, the fact that we preach the Bible, that we teach, and that you say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to catch that vision. So I want to give you some skills today from the book of Proverbs uh, on to how to have influence. And, you know, and again, these things could be used in an evil way to manipulate people. We saw, we can see like Absalom or Korah in the scripture who do that. But, you know, at work, you got a desire to have influence over people. You know, in your neighborhood, you got a desire to have influence uh, over people. Uh, uh, not over people in the sense that you're forcing them, but in the sense that they want to hear you, they want to know you, they want to know what you're doing. So let me give you this morning, uh, I want to give you just as quickly as we can, uh, nine principles from the book of Proverbs, practical people skills from the book of Proverbs. We're going to stay the entire service in the book of Proverbs. Now we're going to look at like a hundred verses in Proverbs, so be ready to go back and forth, but we're going to stay in the book of Proverbs the entire time. I might read for you a verse from another passage, but as long as you're in Proverbs, you're where you need to be. We're going to start in verse number 24 of chapter 18. Now I want you to notice what the Bible says. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Here's point number one this morning. If you desire to have influence, 
if you desire to have friends, if you desire to be able to influence people, that people like you, that people respect you, that people want to hear what you have to say, point number one is be friendly. You say, that's real deep. I, look, I didn't say it was going to be deep. I'm just, it's just practical. A man that has friends. You say, how does so-and-so have so many friends? Well, it's probably because they show, he shows himself friendly. We must be friendly. And here's what you need to understand. People like pleasant people. People like people who are nice and kind to be around. There was a quote in, in the bulletin a couple weeks ago. I liked it. Uh, you, you're there in, in Proverbs 18:24. A man that has friends but shows himself friendly. Go, go to Proverbs chapter 19, just one chapter over. Uh, and and uh, let me read for you this quote. The quote says this. If you go looking for a friend, you're going to find they're very scarce. If you go out looking to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. And, you, you know, that ought to sink down in your ears. If you go looking for a friend, you'll go, you're going to find they're very scarce. If you go looking to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. And here's the thing. People often have this idea, you know, oh, I don't have any friends. Or like at church, people will complain, I don't have any friends at church. And then I, I look at those people, and I'm not mad at them. I look at the people that, that complain about not having any friends. And you know what I see? I see people who show up late, who leave early, who just sit there. You know, they'll sit there in their chair. And then they complain like, no one talks to me. You know what? A man that has friends must show himself friendly, and you cannot expect people to just come to you all the time. Sometimes you have to get up and go to them. Sometimes you have to get up and go and and smile at people and be kind to people and get to know somebody and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? Because, you know, the Bible says that if you want to have friends, you must show yourself friendly because it's going to be very rare that people will come to you. You know, we must learn to be friendly. You're there in Proverbs 19. Look at verse 22. Now you say, well, what does it mean to be friendly? When you're friendly, what does that mean? Here's what that means. It means to be kind to people. We should strive to be kind and not rude and not mean. Notice Proverbs 19 and verse 22. The Bible says this, The desire of a man, the desire of a man is his kindness. Now when the Bible says there the desire of a man, it's not saying like what a man desires. The idea there is what makes you desirable. What makes somebody desirable that other people want to be their friends, that other people want to be around them, that other people want to uh, be influenced by them? The desire of a man, what makes a man or a woman desirable is his kindness, is what the Bible says. If you see people that they have a lot of friends and a lot of influence and people like them, you're probably going to see people that are very kind to people. And, and, and look, sometimes people think like, oh, I don't have friends because of this reason, because of that reason. Look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but what it comes down to, most people don't have friends because they're rude, because they're mean, and they don't even realize it themselves. I'm going to try to help you with that this morning. But the desire of a man is his kindness. Go to Proverbs 22. Look at verse 11. You got to consider, how do you speak to people? When you talk to people, are you rude to them? Are you mean to them? Are you confrontational? Do you put up walls? It matters how you talk to people because how we speak to people is how we communicate. And we must learn to be friendly. Being friendly has to do with being kind and how you speak to people. Are you there in Proverbs 22? Look at verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. He that loveth pureness of heart. Notice what it says. For the grace of his lips. Now the word for means because of. So it says because of the grace of his lips. Because of the grace of his lips. The king shall be his friend. The Bible says that the king will be your friend when you have graceful lips. You say, my boss doesn't like me. It might be because your lips aren't graceful. You know, and, and here's the thing. Studies have found, and I'm not telling you that this is right. I'm just telling you this is the way it is. Studies have found that bosses like, you know, will like people, will promote people, will give raises to people, not who do their jobs best, but who they like. And I'm not telling you, I'm not saying go, go to work and be a suck up. I'm saying, look, go to work and work hard. But don't be that guy who, well, I work so hard, I can talk to the boss however I want. That doesn't work either. Make sure you're the best worker and then make sure you're, you're, you have graceful lips when you speak to your boss. 
Make sure you have graceful lips when you speak to, to, to the people that are in authority of you because the Bible says, he that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall uh, be his friend. And throughout the New Testament, we're told that we should be graceful. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt, that ye might know how to answer every man. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Why? That it may minister grace unto the hearers. We are told in Scripture that our words should be graceful, that our words should be merciful, that our words should be kind. And listen to me, if you want to be someone who is going to influence and make an impact in your family, in our society, for the cause of Christ, you've got to learn to be friendly. You've got to get out of your shell and be, show yourself friendly, be kind to people, The desire, what will make you desirable is that you're kind. We saw that in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We saw, number one, that we must be friendly. People like pleasant people. But you know what? Number two, here's point number two. We must learn to walk humbly. People don't like proud people. People like pleasant people, but you know what they don't like? They don't like arrogant people. And the Bible says that we must learn to walk humbly. Are you there in Proverbs 18? Look at verse 12. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And you find that principle all throughout the Bible. You know, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Notice what it says in Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Now notice what it says. And before honor is humility. You say, I'd like to be honored. I'd like people to show respect to me, to, to see me as someone who's important. To, you know, I want people at work to say, hey, it matters what so-and-so says. He, he's an expert or he knows what he's talking about. You know what? If you want honor, the Bible says before honor is humility. And we must learn. If we desire to have influence with people, we must learn to walk humbly. Now, look, we're, none of us are great at this. And this is something that probably everybody struggles with. But we must learn to walk humbly because the Bible says before honor is humility. Go to Proverbs 12. 12 and verse 9, you say, well, what is that? How, how does it, what does it mean to be humble? Because people have the wrong idea about being humble. And they think that being humble is going around and just being negative about yourself. You know, I'm so this and I'm so that and I'm whatever. But listen, it's, being humble doesn't mean that you're negative about yourself. Being humble just means that you're not bragging on yourself. And the Bible talks about this all throughout Scripture. And, uh, you know, don't brag on yourself. Isn't there a, a quote? Isn't that a famous quote? Nobody likes a bragger. Look, it's true. Proverbs 12 and verse 9. Ask yourself, when you're speaking to co-workers, you're like, my co-workers don't like me. Ask yourself, when you're speaking to co-workers, is this the type of speech that comes from you? Proverbs 12, 9. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than... He's like... The guy that's despised and has a servant, he's saying the guy that's despised but has an employee, but it has a business, but they're actually accomplishing something, is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. You know what I've realized in life? That the biggest losers in life are usually the biggest braggers. I mean, the guys that just have nothing going on in life They've got nothing going on for themselves, but they want to sit there and honor themselves and tell you how great they are and tell you how smart they are. They can't get anybody to follow them, but they want to tell you how they should be the one in charge. You know, they can't get you. They can't get some they can't get one woman to follow them in marriage, but they want to tell everybody how they're wrong about marriage. They can't get one. You know, they don't have one child, but they want to tell everybody how they're parenting wrong. You know, the Bible says that we should not honor ourselves. It says he's better than he that honor himself and lacketh breath. Go to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. And you need to be careful about being this person who's constantly bragging on yourself, honoring yourself. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. We were just in Proverbs 12, 9. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. Proverbs 20 verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. You want to stand out at work? Don't be the guy who's always bragging on yourself. You know why? Because most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. I mean, just listen to most athletes. They're always telling you how they do this and how they do that. You know, the Bible says, but a faithful man who can find. Go to Proverbs 25 and verse 6. Proverbs 25 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 25 and verse 6. 
The Bible says this, put not forth thyself, Proverbs 25 and verse 6. Notice what he says, Proverbs 25, 6. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. Here's what he's saying. Don't put yourself in a position where you're like, well, I think I should be the one that's standing before the king. I think I should be the one that's in the position of great men. Why? Look at verse 7. For better it is that it be said unto thee, come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Here's what he's saying. It's better for you to take the lower seat and have people look at you and say, no, 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 you should be over here with the great men. He says that's better than you trying to just force yourself in, you know, with all the great men and then have them say, what, what are you doing here? You need to go sit over there. And you know, Jesus, Jesus taught the same principle. You don't have to turn there. But in Luke 14 and verse 7, the Bible says this. This is what Jesus said. The Bible says, And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, this is what Jesus said, When thou art bidden of, a, of, uh, of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee, and him uh, come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. And when he that bade thee cometh, and that he may uh, say unto thee, Friend, go up hither. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meet with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here's what he's saying. Make sure, just whenever you're in a position where you, you know, you, you're not sure, should I, should I be here? Should I be in that meeting? Is that really what he's saying is it's better for you to just put yourself in the lower seat and have people come to you and say, oh, no, no, you should be sitting at this table. You should be part of this meeting. You're you're important. He said that's better than you just taking a seat, you know, at the meeting with the boss. You just sit right next to the boss and the boss is like, what are you doing here? You need to go get back to the factory line. You know why? This is for executives. That's what he's saying. And listen to me, when you walk humbly, when you don't brag on yourself, people will like you more. Go to Proverbs 27 and verse 2. Proverbs 27 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 27 and verse 2. Proverbs 27 and verse 2. The Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. A stranger and not thine own lips. Look, you don't have to go around telling everybody how great you are. Telling, Look, if you're so great, people are going to know it. If you're just so awesome and so amazing, you don't have to say it for yourself. In fact, the Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. A stranger and not thine own lips. Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse 10. Nobody likes a bragger. And let me say this. Most contentions in life are brought forth because of pride. In fact, I should say all contentions in life are brought forth because of pride. Anytime there's ever a contention, you've got either one or two people that are filled with pride. Proverbs 13 and verse 10. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, 10. Only by pride, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. And you know what? Let me say this. There is a huge problem I've noticed in 2017 and, you know, just with people in general... There's a huge problem with people who are just filled with their own pride and exalted with themselves. I mean, just this week, we, had to, we threw out some blowhard out of our church, you know, just this arrogant fool. And you say, I don't think you say that. You know what? I am going to say that because he, you know, we, we throw this guy out of church and he makes this video attacking Pastor Anderson, attacking Pastor Romero, Attacking Pastor Burzens, attacking Pastor Joe Major, attacking Pastor Perry, all of the men that we honored at the Red Hot Preaching Conference. And here's the thing. This guy has been saved for two years. He's read his Bible cover to cover all of one time. And, and, and he wants to sit there and say, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They overemphasize so many. I, for, I know for a fact every man that preached at the Red Hot Preaching Conference, the ones that I know that we've talked to, those men have read their Bibles cover to cover well over 20 times. I mean, they've read the Bible cover to cover 20, over 20 times. They've been saved for 20 plus years. You know, I've read the Bible cover to cover 20 times. I've been saved for 25 years. Brother Stucky's read the Bible cover to cover 20, over 20 times. 
been saved for 15 years, but here comes Mr. Been saved for two years, read his Bible one time, and he wants to tell us that we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to soul winning. That we don't know what we're talking about. That we're not doing it right. You've been saved for two years, read the Bible one time, and you want to go to us and tell us we don't know what we're talking about. You know what that's called? It's called pride. It's called being arrogant. It's called being a fool. It's called being an idiot. You know, you want to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, pastors doesn't preach the whole counsel of God. You've not, you barely even read the whole counsel of God. And it's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. All you do is preach about sowing. You know what? Let me explain something to you. Maybe by the time you've read the Bible cover to cover over 20 times, maybe you'll realize that the emphasis in Scripture is soul winning and not stupid crap like whether we should pay the, our taxes. Not stupid garbage like whether we should get a marriage license. You, know, like, you don't preach the whole counsel of God. You know what? Our church is going to be seven years old in a few weeks. And in the last seven years, I've, re- I've preached, not read, I've preached verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Genesis, through the book of Exodus. We're more than halfway through Leviticus, through Joshua, through Judges, through Ruth. Through Isaiah, through Hosea, through Matthew, through John, through Acts, through Romans, through James, through Jude. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You never preached on marriage licenses. Because it's not there. Because the Bible doesn't talk about it. But you don't know what you're talking about. Mr. Been saved for two years, read his Bible one time. And here's the thing. Did we come up with soul winning? You know who taught me soul winning? My dad. You know who, how long my dad's been soul winning for? Like close to 40 years. Amen. You know, but you know more than my dad. You know more than Jack Hiles, who pastored for 40 years, who taught all of us to go soul winning. Curtis Hudson, who pastored for 30 years, who taught all of us to go soul winning. Lee Roberson, who pastored for 30 years, who taught all of us to go soul winning. Those men forgot more Bible than you've ever learned. But you've been saved for two years, read your Bible one time, and you know more than all of us. I'm supposed to go and worship at his feet and learn about all this stupid government garbage because I don't know anything. You know, you know what that is? It's pride. It's a bunch of garbage. See, I don't think you should be saying that. You know what? It needs to be said. And, and let me say something to the young men in this church and the young men in this movement. If that's the kind of crap you want to follow, then just get out. You want to follow Mr. Been Saved for two years, read your Bible to cover, cover one time. You know, when, when Pastor Anderson and I were growing up, when we were going to Regency Baptist Church under Pastor Nichols, you know what Pastor Nichols taught, what he told me and what he told Pastor Anderson? Here's what he told us. No one should even be studying the Bible until they've read it cover to cover at least five times. You say, do, do you agree with that? I'm just telling you, that's what we were taught. The old IFB that everybody wants to make fun of, that's what we were taught. That you, you can't, you shouldn't even study the Bible. You, don't, you can't even get your bearing in Scripture. That's what he told me. You can't even get your bearing in Scripture until you've read your Bible cover to cover five times. You know what that did for us? That made us want to read our Bibles cover to cover five times so that we could start studying the Bible. But in our movement, you know what we got? We got a bunch of arrogant punks who read their Bible one time and all of a sudden they know better than everybody else. They got it all figured out. They know what the whole counsel of God is. You don't know anything. Pride goeth before destruction. You know what? You need to just take a humility pill. You need to just, you know, why don't you, and you want to talk, you want to talk to me about taxes? Why don't you go get a job and start paying some taxes, and then we'll talk about it. You want to talk to me about marriage license? Why don't you go find a girl that actually wants to marry you, and then we'll talk about it. But until then, just shut up. And you know, people are like, well, I don't think you should be saying, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of it. And I'm not putting up with it. You know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight with Pastor Matt. It's about, you know what, just get out. Just get out right now. I'm just saying, like, get up and walk out right now. Amen. Just make sure, let this be your last service. You know, Pastor Matt said he doesn't need anybody. Let me explain something to you. I don't need you. When we started, we started in a living room with five people. And I wasn't preaching stupid government rise up against the government garbage back then. So what were you preaching back then? So winning! Because that's what the Bible emphasizes. Because that's what the Bible's about. You say, you're overemphasizing so winning. You know, when men of God who've read their Bibles cover to cover 20 plus times, been saved 20 times, are leading great soul winning work, when they get up and they're all preaching on soul winning and none of them are talking about raising up arms against the government, maybe you're wrong. Mr. Been saved for two years. Read your Bible cover to cover all of one time. Excuse me that I don't bow at your knees and, have you, and become your disciple and have you instruct me on, on what the Bible says. You know what? If you want to influence people, why don't you learn to walk humbly? 
Why don't you learn to not put yourself forth? You know, I'm not saying that I'm a great man, but don't compare yourself to Pastor Anderson and Pastor Romero and pa- you know what those and Pastor Perry and Pastor Major. You know what those men are? Those are great men. Those are great men of God that are doing great things for God. And before, you know, why don't you just heed to what the Bible says and put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. Say, oh, I think I should be preaching at the Red Opry. Go do something with your life. And then maybe, we'll, then maybe you'll have enough influence on the rest of us that we'll actually want to listen to what you have to say. And you know, you know what? You say, well, I, I side with Mr. Ben Safe for two years and read his Bible one time. Go ahead. What does the Bible say about having influence? Number one, you, you know, you say, why do you preach that? Because, you know, it's just therapy for me. Number one, be friendly. <laughs> and you know what? People, people are like, Pastor, I don't think you say, you, you know, you're coming off too strong. You know, I put up with people's crap for like years. I have church people telling me this guy needs to go. I have church people telling me, don't ever have my teen go with this guy soul winning because he's an idiot. Don't ever have my wife around this guy. I mean, literally, people are telling me this, and I'm just defending them. I'm just helping them. I'm just saying, you know what, they're new. Just give them time to grow. And then these young guys, that I, I, I do nothing but be kind to them. I do nothing but be nice to them. I, I let them serve in ministry. I buy them equipment we don't even need for so they can do things they want to do. And then they want to sit there and say, Pastor Jimenez doesn't know what he's talking about. I, I just finished reading my Bible for the first time, and I realized he's wrong on everything. You're an idiot. Number one, be friendly. <laughs> Number two, walk humbly. Number three, you say, aren't, aren't you, why, you're not being friendly. You know what the Bible says? The wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amen. You say, well, you, you, you want him to hear this? Yeah, they need to hear this. Amen. Because their lives are going to be destroyed if they don't learn that you are not in a position to tell anybody anything. You say, oh, you're not being friendly. The wounds of a friend are faithful. And you, you know, hard preaching is it's called hard love. Number three, go to, go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. What's another thing we can learn? Proverbs 10. Here's another people skill. Don't talk too much. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. Don't talk too much. And here's the thing, especially about yourself. Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Now look, people will allow you to influence them when they perceive you as being someone who is wise. And here the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs 11 and verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter number 11 and verse 12. Proverbs 11, 12 says, He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. But, notice Proverbs 11 and verse 12. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Proverbs 17 and verse 27. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 17 and verse 27. Proverbs 17 and verse 27. The Bible says, He that hath knowledge, notice what it says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. Someone who's smart learns to shut their mouth. And you know, sometimes, I mean, even myself, sometimes I'm in conversation, I just say something stupid and I'm like, why did I say that? He that hath knowledge spreadeth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Notice verse 28. Even a fool. You say, well, I'm not very smart. I've only been saved for two years, and I've read my Bible cover to cover one time. Well, here's some advice for you, fool. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Even a fool, when he shuts his mouth, looks like he's smart. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed. The word esteem means they're regarded, they're considered, they're looked as a man of understanding. You know what? Learn to just, if you want to influence people, the best way to do that is for people to perceive you as being smart, and the best way to be perceived as being someone who's of understanding or wise is to just refrain your lips, to talk less, to listen more. Someone said God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. He expects you to do twice as much listening. You know, so someone said this, when, when you don't say anything, people can misinterpret that, but no one can misquote it. 
And you want to be careful about the things you say and how much you talk and how much you hear yourself. And especially when you're just talking about, you know, some of you need to learn. You, you ought to take a test. You know, the next time you're in a conversation, ask yourself, how much talking am I doing in comparison to this person? I'm talking about with your friends. I'm not talking about soul winning. I'm talking about with your friends, you know, after the service. How much of this conversation where I'm just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and then this other person? You know, maybe that's why people don't want to have conversations with you. Because they know when they start talking to you, it's going to be like a three-hour session of you just talk, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I. People don't like that. Now, here's the thing. You like that. I like that. We like to talk about ourselves. But if you want to have influence over people, learn to listen to them. Let them talk. Learn about them. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. I'm sorry, Proverbs 15 and verse 28. Go to Proverbs 15 and verse 28. 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 The heart of the righteous, notice what it says. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The Bible says the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. You know what that means? It's telling us to learn to think before we speak. Before you give an answer, think about it. I mean, oftentimes people as a pastor, people come to me and they're like, Pastor, I have this situation, I've got to do this. You know what I've learned as a pastor? is sometimes it's better for me to say, you know what, let me take some time to think about that. Because I don't just want to give you something and then I gave you the wrong, you know, later on I'm like, that's not what I should have said. Sometimes it's better to just say, hey, you know what, give me a couple days to think about that and I'll get back to you. I'm not sure what, let me, let me study the scriptures on that. Let me pray about that for a little bit. Because the Bible says the heart of the righteous studies to answer. They don't just answer, they study, they think before they speak. Go to Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. If you learn to just shut your mouth, you'll have less conflict in life. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. You'll have less troubles. You'll have less conflict. If you just learn, you know, not everything that goes in your head has to come out of your mouth. Not every thought that you have. You know, people have, and it goes back to this arrogant thing. People think like, everything I say, I'm going to say it. And, and it's just going to be the most amazing thing. I mean, everyone's just going to just fall on their knees and worship my brilliance. You know, people make these, vi- these videos against me. They make this video and they're like, I'm going to make this video. It's going to split Verity Baptist Church. I mean, when people see my little cartoon drawings, they're going to just be like, this is the most amazing thing. And then you, you look at it and everybody's just like, what an idiot. What a moron. You know, you'd look smarter if you just kept your mouth shut. You, you'd have less trouble if you just closed your mouth. Number four, go to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. We said, number one, be friendly. Number two, walk humbly. Number three, don't talk too much. Here's number four. Control your temper. Control your temper. You know, isn't, isn't the word cool, isn't that a good thing? If a teenager walks up to you and says, man, you're cool. That's a good thing. Right? Well, here's the thing. Be cool, not a hothead. Be calm. Be under control. Proverbs 19 and verse 11. Are you there? I don't remember if I told you to go there. Proverbs 19 and verse 11. Proverbs 19 11. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 19 verse 11. The discretion of a man, notice what it says, deferreth his anger. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. You know, we need to learn to not be quick to get angry. Go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 and verse 17. 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 The Bible says, He 
that is soon angry, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. And a man of wicked devices is hated. Go to Proverbs 14 and verse 29. Skip down to verse 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. God tells us to be slow to wrath. And listen to me. God is not saying to never get angry. There are times, be ye angry and sin not. There are times that you can be angry and not sinning. But God says that we ought to be slow to anger. You say, well, Pastor Ben, you get up there and you rip on people and you're mad or whatever. But you know what? I don't get up here and just rip on people just every... If I got up here and just ripped on people every time I was irritated by someone, I mean, that it'd be every sermon. It'd be just like a lifelong series of like people that are pissing me off. You know, people that are just upsetting me. You say, you know, when I get up here and I just rip on someone, it, it's, you know, it, it looks like it's off the cuff or whatever, but it's thought out and planned. In my mind, I've decided so-and-so needs to go or so-and-so needs to get right, but either way, I'm going to win this battle. Because either they get their heart right and we win, or they get out and we win, but I'm not dealing with this garbage anymore. And you say, well, you look like you're just, you know, getting all mad. No, no, it's planned out. I just have, sometimes you have to be angry because it's the only way you can get into people's heads. You know, you try to be nice, you show up to their stupid little meeting and you're like, hey guys, knock it off, and they just want to walk all over you. So then you just have to get up and be angry and be mad about it and say, I'm sick of it, I'm tired of it, and it's ending right now. But the Bible says that we should be slow to anger. But you know what? Being slow to anger doesn't mean you just aren't ever angry. You some, you sometimes you have to get to that destination. But, but it shouldn't just be this, you know, short fuse, just going off the handle. Proverbs, uh, go to Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Let's talk about when dealing with anger. You know, when you're dealing with someone and you're trying, and, 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 and you're trying to make things be okay, The Bible says that we should attempt this first. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer. You know, that should be our first choice. Our first choice is to go to people and say, look, I'm not mad at you. I love you. I'm not here to blame anybody. Here's the problem. Can we stop it? That should be your first approach. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Proverbs 15. Look at verse 18. Proverbs 15 and verse 18. Proverbs 15, 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. You know, your goal should be to appease strife. Your goal should be to try to make contentions to cease. And sometimes the book of Proverbs says, cast out a scorner and contentions will cease. Sometimes a soft answer turneth away wrath, and then sometimes you just throw people out. So there's no more scorning, there's no more wrath, there's no more contention. So we said, number one, be friendly. Number two, walk humbly. Number three, don't talk too much. Number four, control your anger. Number five, go to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and verse 17. Proverbs 11 verse 17. Proverbs 11 and verse 17. Number five, be merciful. Be merciful. You know, when, when you've resolved a matter and, you know, it's done and it's over with, I'm talking about something that happened five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. It's already been resolved. It's already been dealt with. You know, as Christians, we should learn to let things go. We should learn to, you know, deal with issues when you've got to deal with them and then just let them go when they're done. You know, when the battle's over, if they've asked for forgiveness, if they've repented, then let it go. Proverbs 11 and verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 11, verse 17. The merciful man, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. We should learn to show mercy to people. Look at verse 13, same chapter. Verse 13. And this is what that means, is once something's been dealt with, don't bring things up over and over again. Proverbs 11 and verse 3, a talebearer revealeth secrets, 
but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. See, a talebearer revealeth secrets. I'm saying like once something's been dealt with, once, once reconciliation has been made. And by the way, let me explain something to you. Here's, here's what I was taught, you know, going into ministry, and here's what our church has always taken the position. You know, private conflicts, people that have, you know, conflicts within church and they're just private between two ladies or two men or two families or whatever, those things should be left privately. They should be reconciled privately. You know, I'll take people into my office and I'll say, let's try to work this out and let's try to move past this. And maybe we just, you know, need to stay away from each other or whatever. Private things should be reconciled privately. But you know what? When people make things publicly, then they should be dealt with publicly. Because when they take it publicly and they just try to make you look like an idiot or whatever, you know, I've told, there's people that left this church or, or got kicked out of this church, and I told them, like, look, you make that right, you make that fornication right, or you make that whatever, we'll, we'll love you back. But there's other people that I said, you're not coming back till you're ready to make a public apology. Because you made it public. You know, when it's public, it's dealt with publicly. When it's private, it's dealt with privately. And obviously, if it's like a pastor who's stealing money or, or committing adultery, those things need to be dealt with publicly as well because he's a public figure. But when you've dealt with something, don't be the person that's just going around and bringing it back up. Look at Proverbs eleven thirteen: A tale bearer revealeth secrets. You know, two years later, don't be saying, let me tell you what so-and-so did. You don't know this about this person, but one time they, you know, a talebearer really secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit, notice, concealeth the matter. And it's not talking about hiding sin. It's saying once it's been dealt with, once it's done, once the reconciliation is there, once the apology is done, you know, just because you know something about someone's past, if they've made it right, you, we ought to conceal that matter. We ought not be revealing secrets. Go to Proverbs 12 and verse 16. Now, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not talking about hiding sin. You know, someone's committing adultery and they're not repentant. They're still doing it. We should not conceal that. Someone's molesting a child or abusing a child. We should not conceal. I'm talking about a matter, a conflict that's not something that should land you in prison, you know, or put to death or whatever, you know, and it's something that's already been dealt with. We shouldn't be constantly bringing those things up. Proverbs 12 and verse 16, a fool's wrath is presently known. Notice, but a prudent man covereth shame. A prudent man covers those things that are embarrassing. Who's ever worked with a guy that every time someone made a mistake at work, he was the first one to go make sure the boss knew? You know, the, bo- the boss, you know, he, want, he wants the boss to know that you messed up, that he messed up, that they were late. You know, how liked was that guy? Not very much. You know what? A prudent man covereth shame. A prudent man is not trying to embarrass people. You know, nobody likes the guy that goes around and is constantly telling that embarrassing story about you. You know, that embarrassing story where you messed up or you, you know, had an accident or whatever. The Bible says that a prudent man covers shame. Go to Proverbs 12 and verse 23. Proverbs 12 and verse 23. Notice what the Bible says. A prudent man concealeth knowledge. Again, you don't have to tell everything you know. But the heart of fools proclaimeth, his fo- proclaimeth foolishness. Go to Proverbs 17 and verse 9. Proverbs 17 and verse 9. And again, please understand, we're not talking about sins that have not been dealt with. We're talking about things that have been dealt with. They're done. Proverbs 17 and verse 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. You say, this person hurt me. This person lied about me. This person did me wrong. But it's been dealt with. They've repented. We've reconciled. You know what? Then it's time to just cover that transgression for the sake of love. But he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. The person just doesn't want to let it go, wants to keep bringing it up, just wants to keep repeating a matter. You're going to separate friends. You're going to hurt relationships. Go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. Proverbs 20, 22. Proverbs 20, 22. Say not thou, and we've dealt with this in other sermons, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. Proverbs 24 and verse 29. Proverbs 24 and verse 29. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. Remember Samson? Say, I will do so to him as he hath done to him. I will render to the man according to his works. Go to Proverbs 11. 
Proverbs 11, verse 27. We've seen be friendly. We've seen walk humbly. We've seen don't talk too much. We've seen control your temper. We've seen be merciful. Here's number six. Genuinely seek the good of others. Genuinely seek the good of others. Look out for other people's best interests. And let me tell you something. Paul said this. He said, he said the more I love you, the more I'm hated. You know, I've learned that in ministry. Just the people you're the nicest to, the kindest to, you're sticking up for them, you're helping them, you're letting them start ministries, you're letting them do things, you're letting them choose the building, you're buying equipment for them, and then those are the ones that stab you in the back. So just realize, the more you genuinely seek and love people, just be ready to get hurt by people. Because that's just the way life goes. And just, just realize that. Proverbs 11, verse 27. He that diligently seeketh good... He that diligently seeketh good procureth. That means to obtain favor. You want to obtain favor from people? You want people to favor you? To love you? To say, you know, to say, man, that person is someone I want, to, uh, I want to be influenced by? He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. Go to Proverbs 12 and verse 2. Proverbs 12 and verse 2. Proverbs 12 and verse 2. A good man... A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. And what I want you to understand here is what the Bible is saying, that we should seek good, that we should try to do good to people. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. I don't know if you notice how many verses we're, we're going like 100 verses in Proverbs. You know, just, I just want to make, you know, we're, we're, we're covering the whole council of Proverbs. All right? Just so no one accuses me of not preaching the whole council of God. I miss the rising up against the government, marriage licenses, and tax evasion in Proverbs. I read the entire book of Proverbs this week, just highlighting different verses of preparation for this, and I, I miss all of those from Proverbs. So, so that we can mark Proverbs doesn't cover it. You know... John doesn't cover it. I mean, I don't know where it is. I don't know what Bible they're reading. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. Withhold not good. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. And here's the point I'm trying to make. When people... When, you, when people believe that you have their best interest in mind, they will like you. But just realize that that's a very vulnerable place to put yourself in. And you know what? By the grace of God, we have to do it. By the grace of God, you put yourself in this vulnerable position, and sometimes people stab you in the back. But you know what? Don't let that stop you. Just love people. You know, don't take it out on the next guy. The, the next flat earther that shows up, don't think, well, the last flat earther, you know, Mess me up. You know, just say, I'm going to love this flat earther too. I'm going to try to help this flat earther. Proverbs 21 and verse 14. Proverbs 21 and verse 14. Proverbs 21. And by the way, anybody who just is talking about flat earth, Mandela effect, you just run, run from that person. Just don't be friends with that person. Be friendly, but, you know. Proverbs 21 and verse 14. Proverbs 21 and verse 14. A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. Proverbs 19 and verse 6. Proverbs 19 and verse 6. Proverbs 19 and verse 6. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Here the Bible is teaching us, it says that a gift in secret pacifieth anger. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. The Bible is teaching us to be generous when gifts are appropriate. Now, let me say this. All of these things can be used in an evil way. And you are not used, you know, the giving of gifts as a tactic to manipulate people. Because the Bible talks about this. In Deuteronomy 16, 19, you have to turn there. It says, thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons. Neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of, of righteousness. So the Bible teaches that someone could give you a gift in an attempt to manipulate you. So obviously be careful with that, and you don't want to be that person. But when the Bible says a gift in secret pacifies anger, when it says every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts, here's what the Bible is saying. People like people that are generous. 
So be generous. You know, genuinely generous. Not to manipulate. Not when it's inappropriate. You know, not when, you, you know don't bring a gift to the judge when you've got a court case. You know. that's, that's, number one, illegal. But number two, it's just a lack of integrity. You know? That's called manipulating. But we should be generous people. And we should love people. And look, just, here's a hint, guys. You, you did something stupid. You said something stupid. Your wife's mad at you. Bring her a gift. I mean, it says a gift in secret pacifies anger. So, you know, just learn from that. Just be generous. Just love people. You know, and, and like at our church, you know, people are very generous around here. People are constantly giving gifts and stuff. And, and praise the Lord for that. You know what? Let me say this about gifts, too, though. If someone gives you a gift, realize that they're, they should be doing it out of the kindness of their heart. And I believe everyone in our church that does that, it's just out of the kindness of their heart. You know, they're genuine. I really don't think there's anybody doing it here to manipulate or whatever. But, you know, don't feel the need to, like, have to, you know, give that back. You know, if they gave it to you genuinely, it's because they love you. You know, and, and here's the thing. If you can, great. Like, like, I'll give you an example. You know, me and my wife, you know, I'm the pastor. She's the pastor's wife. We're constantly getting gifts from people. And, and, and praise the Lord, I, I appreciate it. We love you guys. You know, but here's the thing. If we had to give a, you know, $30 gift to every child that had a birthday around here, I mean, I'd have, I'd have to quit the ministry and go get a job. <laughs> you go another job, you know, like, because I don't get paid enough here to do that. You know what I mean? Like, just be careful. You know, we try to give people gift cards and $5 gift cards or whatever. Just don't have this thing where, like, oh, I got a gift, so now I have to, like, give something. You know, people do that because they love you. People do that because they care about you. And don't, don't feel that. You know, thank them. Love them. Appreciate it. And if you can, do it. But um, otherwise, I'm going to have to go get, like, two more jobs. So it's not going to work out. Number eight, go, go to Proverbs 25. And I'm not complaining. You guys pay me enough. Trust me. You pay me enough to support our family. You just don't pay me enough to give gifts to every single person in this church. Proverbs 25 and verse 17. Proverbs 25, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. All right, so we saw number one, be friendly. Number two, walk humbly. Number three, don't talk too much. Number four, control your temper. Number five, be merciful. Number six, be genuinely seek the good of others. Number seven, be generous. Here's number eight. Don't spend too much time with the same people. Don't spend too much time with the same people. Isn't that that quote, familiarity breeds contempt? The Bible is teaching that here. Proverbs 25, 17. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. There is a such thing as spending too much time with people. And you want to be careful about that. You don't want to spend so much time with people that you start getting annoyed by each other. Or here's the thing. There's a lot, something that happens a lot with young people um, where they spend too much time together. They start getting comfortable with each other where they're talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, where they're talking about sinful things. You know, you want to be careful about those things. And you say, and here's a good way to solve that is to just try to expand your circle of influence. Don't just always hang out with the same people. You know, after the service, don't always just talk to the same. It's the same group. It's us four and no more. Search out other people. You know, try to spend time with other people and withdraw thyself, uh, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house. And look, people should spend time together in fellowship, but you can take it to an extreme. So be careful about that. You start thinking like, man, brother so-and-so is really annoying me or sister so-and-so. You know, you might be spending too much time together. Maybe you should go spend time with somebody else and, and that way... You can really enjoy your fellowship when you are together. Number, five, uh, number nine, go, go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 and, and verse nine. Here's, here's, uh, here's number nine. Here's the last one. If you want to influence people, if you want to be friendly and have friends and all of that, here's number nine. Walk with integrity. Walk with integrity. People like people who are real. Proverbs 14 and verse 9 says this, Fools make a mock at sin. And by the way, you shouldn't go around just making, mocking sin. Somebody told me this week that someone came up to them and they were, they were joking about, you know, they were saying like, oh, I'm a single guy and I'm fornicating. And then the individual said, whoa, you know, like, I don't want to have this conversation. And they're like, oh, I'm just joking. No, you know what? The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. We ought not be joking around about stupid things like that. 
Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous, what's it mean to be righteous? To walk rightly. But among the righteous, there is favor. You want favor? Walk righteously. Go to Proverbs 16 and verse 7. Proverbs 16 and verse 7. Proverbs 16 and verse 7. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Go to Proverbs 21 and verse 21. Proverbs 21, verse 21. Proverbs 21, 21. Proverbs 21, 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth, notice what they find, Life, righteousness, and honor. You want to have honor? The Bible says, follow after righteousness. That means to the best of your ability, live right. Walk with integrity. You know, people like people who are real. And look, even the world understands this. Now, I was thinking about athletes. I was thinking about, you know, years ago, uh, Tiger, remember Tiger Woods? And I don't care about sports. I don't know anything about sports. Remember Tiger Woods? He was just like the most awesome guy you know, everybody loved him, whatever. Then they find out that he's, like, committing adultery with all these people. And then Nike drops him. All these people drop him. Why? Because he, was, he wasn't walking with integrity. You know, so then he had influence. You know, or how about that? What was that guy, the bike rider from France? Or not from France, but that he... What's the name? Yeah, Lance Armstrong. You know, everybody's have their little Armstrong bracelet. You know, whatever. Everybody thinks he's so awesome. Then they find out he's cheating or whatever. And it's like, nobody likes him anymore. Why? Because, you know, people like people who are real. So, you know, at work, make sure you're, 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 you're on time. Make sure you're not stealing from the boss. Make sure you're not being late. Make sure you're not being deceptive. And that will help you to have integrity uh, with people. Go to, go to Proverbs 3. It's the last place we'll look at. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. And actually, look at verse 4, and then we're going to look at verse 3. Proverbs 3 and verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding. Notice what it says. In the sight of God and man. Isn't that our goal? That should be your goal. You know, at work, your goal should be to find favor in the sight of God and man. You know, in your neighborhood, with your community, with your family, here at church, your goal should be to find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. We should want to have a good favor, good understanding with man. Say, how do you do that? Look at verse 3. Let not, notice, mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. God says if you bind these two things, mercy and truth, if you bind them upon your neck, if you write them on the table of your heart, so what does that mean, to have mercy? Well, it's everything we've been talking about. Controlling your temper, having graceful words, letting things go. What does it mean to have truth? It's been everything we've been talking about. Walking with integrity, genuinely seeking the good of others. And here's what the Bible says. If you, if you let not mercy and truth forsake thee, if you bind it about thy neck and write it upon the, the, thine heart, so, verse 4, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. And that should be our goal. Our goal should be to have favor and good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of men. Our goal should, should be to win souls and influence society, to win friends and influence people, to not to manipulate people, but to influence them for the power and for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for these principles in Scripture that you've given us, Lord, to teach us how to, how to just be good people. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to try to do the best we can to love people, to genuinely seek their good, to walk humbly, to realize our place in life and who we should or should not be rebuking. Lord, help us to just be able to do right, to love you. And Lord, I, I pray that you would allow this church to have a huge influence, a huge impact in this society, that people in our congregation would go out you know, aside from their soul winning, although soul winning is the number one thing, aside from their soul winning, that they would go out in their jobs, in their communities, 
uh, in the different things they do outside of work, outside of church. Lord, I pray that they would, that they would impact the society, that they'd influence the society, that they would be able to lead others, Lord, uh, to Christ and to follow Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless our church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to strive together for the faith of the gospel and help us to purge out any leaven of wrong doctrines and wrong attitudes and wrong philosophies. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless us and help us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.